<clears throat> Several years ago, um, it was a spring morning, and, and it was a Saturday morning. It was uh, a day that we all just... Saturday mornings for a lot of us, at least in my house, Saturday mornings is a day that we just sort of kind of relax to some degree. We try to try to sleep in a little bit. Sleeping in for me is like eight. That's that's a big deal. So eight o'clock is a big sleep in day for me. And um, it was it was several years ago. We all were awoken by just a really. Sh- I mean, it was a big, violent shake. And we we woke up and, and everybody like the door to our bedroom flung open and the kids were like, did you, did you, did you hear that? Did you feel that? And we were all like, yes, yes. Everybody was up. Nobody was like, oh, I wonder what's going on. Everybody was, adrenaline was pumping and there was a lot happening and there was a lot of just, oh, what's happening? It was just this violent shaking and it sounded like, I mean, it literally sounded like a mighty rushing wind that was outside of my window. And come to find out, I me. Mean, First thing you do when that kind of stuff happens, man, you got to jump on social media, find out what's going on. And man, everybody's posting earthquake, earthquake, earthquake. And come to find out it was almost 6.0 on the Richter scale in Bartlesville. And it was not too far from there. And it was just this huge earthquake. And it shook us and awoke us. And, And sometimes there needs to be or there has to be an earth shaking event in our lives that wakes us up to the fact that we need to be aware of our surroundings. Like nobody in the house was, you know, worried about anything other than, man, did you feel that? And what was that? Did, I mean, I, we've never experienced anything like that. I mean, maybe if you're from California, you're like, yeah, 6.0, not a big deal. Um, but to, six, for, to Oklahoma folks, 6.0 was a big deal, right? We're freaking out. And, and we woke up and everybody was wide-eyed and bushy-tailed and ready to go for the day. In fact, we were up and we're like, after that got done, we're like, let's go get breakfast. Let's hang out together. Let's do life together. And everybody was really, I mean, there was a lot of adrenaline that was pumping. And sometimes there's, there has to be or there is an earth-shaking event that takes place in our lives that makes us wake up to our surroundings and say, man, what in the world is going on? So what I want to do is I want to start a small mini-series on the idea of the basics. The basics. And sometimes it's good just to go back and run through some of the, just a few fundamentals of our faith. I've had a few weeks um, just to sort of kind of get my mind wrapped around where I wanted to go in the text and what I wanted to do. And, And the overwhelming idea that I keep coming back to is Christians should be different. Christians should look different. Christians should sound different. Christians should be different. And as I've been studying this and and prepping for this, as I've been going through the text, and God's word has just an, an amazing and a unique way of really getting in and convicting us. And as I've been preparing for this, man, my own heart has been convicted in my own life. And I've seen things in my own life, my own heart that I've been convicted of, need to repent of and ask God to cleanse and to work out. And my hope is that as we go through this basic series of the fundamentals, it will shake some of us to understand that we are to be different in this world. Amen. Not, not, whoa, we're not one. Come on, people. Amen. There we go. I feel better now. Good, nice. We're going to. Um, but the thing I want to talk about is uh, this morning, first thing and foremost, is talk about the power of our words. And our tongue, 
Our tongues are powerful. The words that we use are powerful. The way we communicate to one another matters. In fact, I think of the tongue, it is the most powerful and damaging member of our bodies. Um, in fact, Edward um, Bolkwar Linton in 1839 wrote, The pen is mightier than the sword. Uh, this was a, written in a play that was about how our words were more powerful than armies and they could dismantle whole cultures and societies if wielded properly. So the, the, the pen, the spoken word, the written word is more powerful than a sword. And that quote sounds a lot like uh, Proverbs 18 verse 21. And I started there uh, in a, as we read this morning. It says, death and life are in the power of the tongue and those who love it will eat its fruits. When that text says those who love it, it means those who talk a lot will bear the weight of the fruit of the tongue. How many guys in here, sometimes you let your mouth overload your backside? Anybody else? I am right there. I'm, I'm, in, that, I'm in that camp. Um, but the idea of the text is those who talk a lot, they're going to bear the weight of the fruit of your tongue. And if you're speaking life, man, you're going to bear that fruit. If you're speaking death, man, you're going to bear that fruit. Those who love it, they're going to, wear, they're going to break in and they're going to, it's going to wait on them. It's going to bear weight on them. Um, you see, the power of our words are immeasurable in some aspects. In fact, Romans chapter 10 verse 10 says this. Listen to this. For with the heart, one believes and is justified. And with the mouth, one confesses and is saved. You see, if you believe in your heart that Jesus is God, you're going to be willing to say it with your mouth. Amen? If, if you believe in your heart that Jesus is God, and you're willing to confess that, then you're going, to, you're going to be saved according to the text. What does it say? For with the heart, one believes. Man, what if I... What if I, I, I love my wife, but I never told her that. What if I never said, man, baby, you're gorgeous. I love you. You're beautiful. You're fantastic. I am so in love with you. What if I never told her that? I just said, she knows. She knows. Would she know? Probably not. What's down? Grandma used to say, what's down in the well comes up in the bucket. If you believe Jesus is God, if you believe Jesus is God, you're going to say it with your mouth. The words we use to speak can set us on a certain road, a, a, a certain particular path. And some of those roads are beautiful and amazing, and some of those paths are rough and slippery. Therefore, this is why Proverbs 18 verse 21 tells us that there is death and there is life in our tongues. The right words can take us on a long, or can take us a long way, right? I mean, think, husbands, let's just go here. Husbands, the right word can put you on the right path in a, in a great way, right? Amen? Men? And men, if you use the wrong words, it can put you on another path. It can equally be long and treacherous. Amen? Don't, men, you left me out here on a limb by myself? Come on! Come on, fellas. The right words can take us a long way. And the wrong words 
can cause us to crash and burn in a spectacular way. What we say and how we say it truly does matter. Go with me over to Matthew chapter 12. I want you to see this. Matthew chapter 12, verse 36. This is Jesus talking, so it matters. He says, I tell you, I tell you, on the day of judgment, the person, every person will give an account for every careless word that is spoken. I tell you, on the day of judgment, people will give an account for every careless word that is spoken. Uh, In my note, John MacArthur says, the most seemingly insignificant sin, even a slip of the tongue carries the full potential of hell's evil. No infraction against God's holiness is therefore a trifling thing. And each person will ultimately give give an account for every such infraction. There is no truer indication of a bad tree than the bad fruit of bad speech. The poisonous snakes were known by their poisonous mouths, revealing evil hearts. Every person is judged by his words because they reveal the status of their hearts. That's, that's weighty. Like, when Jesus says, on the day of judgment, every single human being will give an account for every careless or frivolous word that is spoken. I want you to think about, of oh, just the last seven days, how many Frivolous and careless words have you and I spoken. Like, let's think that over for just a minute. The weight of that, I told you, there's a weight to our words. David, who, we, who wrote the Psalms, David wrote in Psalms 141 verse 3, Set a guard, O Lord, over my mouth. <laughs> Keep watch over the doors of my lips. Anyone else feel that verse? You feel that verse? Like, I feel that verse in a magnanimously real way. Oh, I do. Sometimes, like I said, we, we can let our mouths overload our actual lives. And we can complete, or we can complicate things in a real, just spectacular way. Christians are to be different. Christians are to be different. We should sound different than the world. We should not be like the world. We should be different. Matthew chapter 5 says that we are a city on a hill that shines out into a dark place. That's what we're called to be. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 29 says, Let there be now no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such that is good for building up and fit for the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear and do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Like, I want you to think about this verse. He says, Paul writes and he says, let there be no corrupt talk come out of your mouth. We have to remember that this text is directed at Christians. If you read and you look at Ephesians chapter 4, it's, it's pointed at the church of Ephesus. And so... It's directed to Christians. So there is a reasonable, uh, it's reasonable to think that Christians 
can struggle in this area of life. Any, any amens on that one? Anybody struggle with corrupt talk coming out of your mouth sometimes? I do. Man, you, I'll be, as your pastor, I'll be vulnerable enough to tell you that some days, man, there's been moments I'm either driving, anybody go to Walmart, and you're just like, these people. Anybody? You drive, anybody driving high levels of traffic and there's somebody cuts you off and you're not thinking, Lord, bless them, <laughs> right? But I, I want us to look at this. It, it's important that we root ourselves in the text to help us understand that we as Christians should talk about how Christians should talk. This, this, is what, this is what it should look like for Christians to talk. The text begins here with the phrase, let there be no corrupt talk come out of our mouths. This is a sobering phrase. Corrupting means unwholesome, foul, or abusive language. The language of a Christian matters. The things that we say matter. Our words matter. And we are not to talk like the world. This means that cursing, dirty jokes, filthy language, nasty words coming out of our mouths. Like people say, oh, God never said we couldn't cuss. Actually, he did. And he said, listen, furthermore, if you're doing this, if you're just carelessly, flippantly throwing these things out, then there is a weight that is going to be placed on you and you're going to have to give an account. Like I, you think, oh, that's, that's cute and funny now. But man, there's going to come a day when you're going to be standing in front of the God of the universe. And he's going to say, why did you say those things? Why were you talking this way? You got an excuse? No. no. And here's the thing. Romans chapter 1 says that our excuses are, will be, there'll be no excuse for us. You can give an account, but man, there's not going to be any excuse for this. This verse keeps going and states, and I, and I pulled this out of the New Living Translation. It says, let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. Like, think about that. Everything that you say, let it be good and helpful. Is everything that you're saying in this last seven days was it good and helpful? Was it? Or was it careless? Was it useless? Like, let that sink in for just a moment. Are our words as Christians that we're using, are they being helpful? Are they a good source of encouragement for those that are around us? And if, if it's not, then that's a problem. Because if our words are not helpful and good, or a source of encouragement, I want you to see what happens next in that text, verse 30. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. This is heavy. Like this idea in this text is heavy. If our words are not good, encouraging, or helpful, it grieves the Holy Spirit. It grieves the Holy Spirit of God. I know that I have done these exact thing, same things, but my desire is to please him. And it's not, it, there's no excuse for me to say, hey, well, Caleb, it's okay. Don't, don't beat yourself up too bad. No, the word of God can do that for me. I don't, I don't need to beat myself up. The word of God just did. The word of God just told me that, man, you doing this grieves the Holy Spirit of God. 
And, and I don't want to know about... I don't want to know about you and what you think you should be doing, but rather I want to know what God's word says about the situation. Is your heart's desire to please the Holy Spirit rather than to grieve him? And if that is what a Christian should be doing and should have in their heart to do, then why are we not doing it? And if you're not truly concerned about pleasing Jesus, then that's probably an indicator that there's a heart issue. If you've got a down deep thing, you're like, listen, I don't really care. I can say what I want. I'm in America. I got freedom of speech, baby. Like that, that can happen. I, I, get, I get it. I agree. You got freedom of speech. But man, there are repercussions for our freedom in this thing. You see, by our words... By you and I's words, we have the ability to paint an amazing portrait of God's glorious grace. And with our same words, we have the ability to deny his very existence in our lives by the way we speak. We can deny him by the very way, in the very words that we speak. In fact, go to James chapter 3. I want you guys to see this. Go over to James chapter 3. Come on, I don't hear pages. You guys either got devices or something. I'm not hearing any pages turn. Let's go. James chapter 3. I need you guys to see this. James talks about our tongues and, and taming our tongues. Actually getting our tongues to be tamed. He starts in verse 3. And he talks about um, what it looks like to tame our tongues. If we put now ranchers in the room, farmers in the room, people that have horses um, I also like to call them glue or crowns, whatever you want to call them. Um, I've been bucked off once and, and never, just not a big fan of horses, but uh, this is what James decides to talk about here. If we put a bit in the mouth of a horse, anybody put a bit in the mouth of a horse? Why do we put bits in the mouths of horses? Anybody? To control them, try to get them to where they need to go, right? So it says, if... If we put bits in the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. Look at a ship also. Though they are so large, they are driven by strong winds and they are guided by a very small rudder. Wherever the direction of the pilot wants. So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. How great a forest fire is set ablaze by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members as staining the entire body, setting on fire the entire course of life, set on fire by hell itself. For every kind of beast and bird and reptile and sea creature can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poisons. With it we bless our God and our Lord and Father. And with it we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth comes blessings and cursings. My brothers, these things ought not to be so. Does a spring pour forth? From the same opening, both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives and grapevines, produce a fig? 
neither can salt ponds yield fresh water. So I, I want us to look at this and see this from God's word, what he just told us. You see, our words are, are, our words are not, if, if our words are not controlled by the Holy Spirit, man, we can, like, look at the imagery that's put up there, a forest fire. And we just had fire season here. Like I literally almost died a couple times from not being able to breathe because of all the smoke. Anybody else? Like my allergies were horrible here. Like that was, that was bad. Like that imagery, man, it permeated everything in this region. The entire place smelled of smoke and it was just awful. It was awful. That was the imagery here that, that, were, that, are, that is used here as a fire. Then look at a ship. It directs it, whichever, it shipwrecks. And if you, don't, if you don't control your mouth correctly, man, it is a chaotic mess. You burn things to the ground with your mouth. Anybody burned a relationship to the ground with your mouth? Yeah. Anybody burned a relationship with you with their mouth? It, it'll happen. Man, you can say certain things and you can lose lifelong friends by the things we say. Amen? Like there are certain things that you and I can say and can damage and destroy families by just this little tiny member in our mouth. Like our mouth can be stronger than our fists. And God says, man, listen, you've got to have this thing under wraps. You've got to control this thing. And you say, well, I can't. You're right. So who's going to control it? The Holy Spirit has to be in control of your mouth. Has to. The imagery here is fires, ships, horses. And the idea with our mouths is with the words we speak, man, we can, we can really mess things up. We can destroy things. It's vital that Christians have a godly or biblical wisdom or worldview in the way when they communicate with each other. You see, and you might say today, Caleb, where would someone find wisdom about this? How do, I, how do I get some wisdom to be able to understand how I... Man, I, I, I hear what you're saying, Caleb, that man, my mouth... And maybe my mouth has been a weapon that's been I've used Ill, improperly. How do I get the wisdom that you're talking about? Where do I find that wisdom? Well, I'm glad you asked because I can tell you where to find that. Just go a couple verses down in James chapter 3. And, and look at this. James chapter 3, verse 17 and 18. Listen to this. Now, remember, this is all in context of our mouths. All in context of our mouths. Verse 17 says, But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy, good fruits, impartial and sincere. And a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. So you say, well, Caleb... Where does wisdom come from? Because if you look in James chapter 1, it tells us that we can, it says, if anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach and will be given to them. He'll give it to us generously. He'll give wisdom. So where does, where does wisdom come from? From God himself. God himself gives and grants wisdom to people. That's where it comes from. And how would someone gain access to this wisdom? Well, the, the mantra that I believe should be tattooed on this front wall 
Romans chapter 10, verse 17. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Like, that's where we're going to find wisdom. Wisdom, God's given us every ounce of wisdom that we could ever want is right here in our hands. When we hold this, we hold the breath of God. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. All scripture is theophanuscus, is God-breathed out. God's wisdom on paper. And so, you say, well, where do I get this? Studying God's Word, having God's word engrafted into our hearts and on our minds is vital to be able to have this to be a normal thing in our lives. Has to be. If it's not tattooed on our minds and our hearts, it will not manifest itself in our lives. And man, we're going to be out of control. Christians have God's word in front, and should have the God's word on the forefront of their minds and their lives. And that will cause and lead men and women to have different speech. When Jesus is in control of your heart and in control of your mind, what comes out of your mouth will be different. Period. Well, let's look at what comes out first. If you've got godly wisdom... If you've got godly wisdom in your life, where does this lead? The first thing you see is purity. The first thing you see in James chapter 3 is what? First, pure. Purity. Your language is going to be pure, not defiled. You're going to talk about things that are not filthy. They're not going to be disgusting. They're not going to be worldly. Matthew chapter 5, verse 8 says, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. If your heart is pure in nature, then your speech will be pure in nature as well. Because Jesus Christ, when he cleanses your heart, he cleanses your mind. And as a result, eventually your speech will be pure as well. Um. It's going to be pure. It's going to be pure in nature. And that's the first thing out of the gate is your language is pure. Next, your language is peaceable. It's peaceful. It's going to be filled with peace. You're not going to be looking for a snappy comeback to somebody's cut down of you. You're, not going, to be, you're going to be willing to let things go. You're going to be willing to let... What's that? I can't believe I'm doing this. Elsa. Let it go. Let it go. I, I can't believe I just did that. Or was that Anna? I don't know which one's saying. I, I'm not that deep into those. It's one of them. The ice princess. Let it go. All right. Back. See, this is what happens if I don't look at my notes. That was not in my notes. That was all extra. Your language is going to be peaceful. It's not going to be, you're going to be looking for a snappy comeback and be like, Oh, no, you didn't. You didn't say what you just said. I'm coming after you. Let me get on my phone. Let me type out a little rebuttal to what you just said. Thumb wars. Like, that's not going to come out. You're going to be like, you know what? That's cool. Say what you got to say. Because there's going to come a day when you're going to have to give an account for what you just said. I'm just, boop, locked down. 
not going to say anything. I'm going to keep my mouth shut. Matthew chapter 5 verse 9 says, Blessed are peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. Man, that's what I want. I want to be known as a guy that, that pursues peace. That goes after peace. I don't want to be the guy that's be like, oh yeah? Okay, so that's what she said. Let's, what did he say? Okay, well, hey, did you know what she said? Do you know what he said? Blah, blah, and just get in the middle and be that guy that causes fights. And that's, if you're not a peacemaker, you're not known as a son of God. And I'm going to tell you right now, I want to be known as a son of God. Anybody else? Nobody else? Okay, just checking. That's what I want. And if this is what it looks like to see God and to be called one of his children, then it stands to reason if you're not pure or peaceful, we will not see God or be called children of God. Think about that. That's sobering. If you're, if you're not pursuing purity and holiness and longing to be a peacemaker, number one, the, the, the one that are pure in heart, they're going to see God. So those that are not pure in heart are not going to see God. And those that are peacemakers are going to be called sons of God. But those that are not peacemakers, those that are d- dividers that like to bring things up and make people fight, man, you're not going to be called a son or daughter of God. That's sobering. That's, the, that's just two. Number three is gentle. Christians are going to be humble in their speech. They're going to be gentle um, throughout and thoughtful and humble. They're not going to be arrogant or prideful. And, they're, going to be, they're going to be peaceful in their language. We use our biblical knowledge because here's what happens a lot of times. We get Christians who get a lot of biblical knowledge and they're just coming in with a sledgehammer just like, Anybody know people like that? Get a little crazy sometimes? Man, we're to use our language, we're to use our words like a scalpel to bring redemption and grace for those that hear. Now, here's what I will say, that sometimes when we use our words and our hope is to bring reconciliation, redemption, those that are outside of Christ, they're going to see it as hostile because the scripture says those that are outside of the cross, they see it as foolishness. So there's going to be people, if you come in and be like, listen, you need to repent and believe. They're going to be like, man, that's judgmental. But no, that's what the Bible says. That's what Jesus says. But go into it. If you go into and have a conversation with somebody asking and, and pursuing and longing for them to be reconciled to Christ, and that's your hope, man, good on you. If you just want to be proven right, you're in sin. You've got a problem. So you're going to be gentle. We don't use our biblical knowledge like a sledgehammer. Rather, we use it like a scalpel in order to bring life and reconciliation. Next, we're open to reason. Man, we need this in the world we live in right now. No one is actually open to reason. We just want to, like, I got my position. Oh, I got your up, and they just want to fight. And we need to be open to reason. Everyone is looking to prove that they're right and then rub somebody else's noses in it. Christians should be different. We should offer hope. Amen? We should offer hope. Full of mercy. We are lacking in this area so much. The world wants justice. And just, just scroll through the news. Everybody's justice, justice this, justice for that, justice for whatever. 
Everyone is marching and rioting for justice. And we love to point out other people's sin as darker and worse than our own sin. And when it comes to other people's sin, that's what we love to promote. Be like, man, did you see what Jamie did? She's a wicked woman. But not me. I just got issues. But Jamie, she's got problems, man. She's got, yeah? What would it look like? What would it look like if Christians started praying for mercy for other people in other people's lives? Because what we do is we love to point out other people's sins and we want justice for their sin, but we want mercy for our sin. What would it look like if we as Christians started praying for mercy for other people's lives, longing to see God's work in their own life? What would it look like if we longed to see Christ do a work in a wicked heart and transform their lives as much as we want to see them get what they deserve. What would that look like? We're like, man, she just got what she deserved. Well, guess what? All of, what would happen if all of us got what we deserved? <laughs> right? Like, we'd be in deep weeds. It'd be a problem. Last one we got in the last couple of years, good fruits. What does that consist of? Well, Galatians chapter 5 gives us that. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Your language will display all of these things when you're rooted and grounded in the word of God and walking by the spirit of Jesus Christ. You'll be... You'll have good fruits that are going to come out of your life. You're going to be impartial. You're going to treat all rivals and disputers equally. Fair and just. Loving, difficult people. Anybody, have to, anybody ever had to love somebody that's difficult? Anybody, oh, whoa, yeah, whoa, whoa. Look at everybody throw their hands up on that one. How many of you have been the difficult person that needed to be loved? Let's go there. No, oh, we got one honest person in the room. Come on now. I've been difficult. Jamie sure has been difficult. Let me just. But treating rivals and disputants equally. God told us to love our enemies and to, good, to, to do good to those that, that speak ill against us. How does that work in our language? Don't trash talk about people behind their backs. Like, hey, did you tell, you see Andy? See the way he strummed that guitar this morning? Ugh. You don't do that. You love people. And then lastly, you're sincere. When this is flowing from our lives as a result of Christ transforming our hearts, we actually care about people around us. They're not just numbers. Like, we actually, they're, they're human beings with a soul. We actually care about them. We want the best for them. Like we're sincere in our desires for them. You will have a desire to want to help people with the words that you say. Back to Ephesians 4. The words that we use bring grace to those who hear. So the bottom line here is back to Proverbs 18 verse 21. The words that you speak have the ability to bring life or death. Choose wisely. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the day. We thank you for your word. And God, I pray that as we go through this series, that man, we would have a desire to want to look different and be different from the world. Help us in all of this, Father. We love you.
In Jesus' name, amen.